0: Good evening, lovelies. Let's travel over to 1968 Britain to talk about the life of Mary Flora Bell, or AKA the 10-Side Strangler. So, uh, Mary Bell was born to Betty Cricket, who was a 16-year-old prostitute. Uh, Mary was headed for a hard life from the moment she was born. Betty, her mother, reportedly told doctors to, quote, take that thing away from me, unquote, when she first saw her daughter. As you can imagine, life for Mary only went downhill from there. Betty was often away on business during young Mary's life. When Betty was around, Mary was subject to mental and physical abuse from her mother. Betty's own sister witnessed her try to give Mary away to a woman who had been unsuccessfully trying to adopt. Why the woman was unable to adopt is unclear, but Betty's sister quickly recovered Mary herself. During Mary's childhood, she was strangely prone to accidents. She once accidentally overdosed on sleeping pills and and on another occasion fell from a window. Many attributed the accidents to Betty trying to rid herself of young Mary, uh, while others attribute Betty's actions to Munchausen by proxy due to Betty adoring the attention brought on by her daughter's accidents. According to later accounts made by Mary, Betty began prostituting her out when she was only four years old, though this claim has never been proven or corroborated by other family members. Even still, Mary did witness her five-year-old friend get ran over and killed by a bus, so that couldn't have been good for a young psyche. So unsurprisingly, by age 10, Mary was a strange child. She was understandably withdrawn, but on top of that, she had become manipulative and borderline violent. Weeks before Mary claimed her first life, she had been acting even stranger than usual. On May 11, 1968, Mary was playing with a three-year-old boy when he fell from the top of an air raid shelter. His parents thought it was an accident. However, the very next day, three mothers came forward to tell police that Mary had tried to choke their young daughters. Unfortunately, only a brief interview was conducted and no charges were filed, likely due to her young age and the surrealness of it all. A 10-year-old killer was unheard of. On May 25th, did the day before Mary's 11th birthday, she strangled four-year-old Martin Brown to death in an abandoned house in Scottswood, England. She left the scene only to return with a friend, Norma Bell, but they were beaten there by two local boys whose names were unknown, but the boys stumbled on the body while playing in the abandoned house. Police were dumbfounded. Other than a small amount of blood and saliva on the boy's face, there were no signs of violence, but there was an empty bottle of painkillers on the floor near the body. Because of a lack of evidence, police wrongly assumed Martin had swallowed the pills and his death was sadly ruled an accident. As you can probably imagine, Martin's family did not want to accept that and suspected otherwise, especially when Mary showed up on their doorstep days later asking to see him. While his mother gently explained Martin was dead, Mary said she already knew that but wanted to come in and see the body in the coffin. Martin's grieving mother slammed the door in her face. Not long after that, Mary and Norma broke into a nursery school and vandalized it with notes taking responsibility for Martin Brown's death and promising to kill again. Police, unfortunately, assumed the notes were a morbid prank. As for the nursery, this was just the latest in a series of break-ins. They then installed an alarm system. Little did they know, the alarm system would prove to be quite useful. It caught Mary and Norma returning to the scene nights later, but yet again, police let them off the hook because they were merely loitering outside. Meanwhile, Mary was telling her classmates that she had killed little Martin Brown. Due to her reputation as a show-off and a liar, nobody took her claims seriously. Things would change when another young boy lost his life. On July 31st, two months after her first murder, Mary and Norma killed three-year-old Brian Howe by strangulation. But this time, Mary mutilated the body with scissors, scratching his thighs and butchering his penis. Morbidly, when Brian's sister went looking for him, Mary and Norma offered to help by searching the neighborhood. Mary even pointed out the concrete blocks that held his body, but Norma said he wouldn't be there, and Brian's sister moved on. When Brian's body was finally discovered, the neighborhood understandably panicked. Two young boys dead within a couple of months. Local children were interviewed by police, hoping someone saw something anything that would lead to a suspect. Shockingly to police, the coroner's report came back reporting Brian's blood had cooled and new marks appeared on his chest. Someone had scratched the letter M with a razor blade on his torso. Another disturbing find was that due to the lack of force used in the attack, the killer may have been a child. As you'd expect from 11-year-olds, Mary and Norma did a terrible job disguising their interest in the investigation and in their interviews with law enforcement. While Norma acted excited, Mary was evasive, especially when police pointed out that she had been seen with Brian Howe on the day he died. On the day of Brian's burial, Mary was seen lurking outside the house and laughing while rubbing her hands together when she saw the coffin. This prompted police to to conduct a second interview with Mary. Likely sensing police were closing in, Mary made up a story about having seen an 8-year-old boy hit Brian on the day he died. She claimed the boy was carrying broken scissors. That addition to her story was her downfall. The mutilation of the body with scissors had been kept from the press and the public. Only investigators and the murderer could know that detail. Under further questioning, both Mary and Norma broke down. Norma began cooperating with police and implicated Mary. Adversely, Mary admitted to being present but tried to place the blame on Norma. Both girls were charged and a trial date was set. At the trial, the prosecutor told the court Mary Bell's reason for committing the murders was solely for the pleasure and excitement of killing. British press labeled her as evil born. The jury agreed Mary Bell had committed the murders and gave her a verdict in December. She was convicted of manslaughter due to court psychiatrists convincing the jury that Mary showed classic symptoms of psychopathy and could not be held fully responsible for her actions. On the other hand, Norma Bell was regarded as an unwilling accomplice and was acquitted. The judge concluded Mary was a dangerous person and a serious threat to other children. She was sentenced to be imprisoned at Her Majesty's pleasure, a British legal term that denotes an inter inter, inter y'all seriously indeterminate <laughs> sentence, basically until the powers that be feel it's appropriate to let you out. The powers that be were impressed with Mary's treatment and rehabilitation and felt it appropriate to let her out in 1980. She was released on license, meaning she was still serving her sentence, but was able to do so while living in the community under supervision and probation. On top of that, Mary Bell was given a new identity to provide her with a chance at a new life and protect against tabloid attention. But even still, things grew worse for Mary after she had her daughter in 1984. Her daughter didn't know of her crimes until age 14, when a tabloid was able to find Mary's common-law husband and thus track her down. How they did that is unclear. Soon after, tons of journalists camped out in front of their home. The family escaped with bedsheets over their heads. Today, Mary Bell is in protective custody at a secret address. Both she and her daughter are protected under court order. The mother of Martin Brown, June Richardson, told the media, quote, It's all about her and how she has to be protected. As victims, we are not given the same rights as killers, unquote. Even still, Mary Bell remains protected by the British government. Similar young convicts are even unofficially referred to as Mary Bell Orders. So what do you guys think? Do you think Mary deserves protective custody and that second chance at life after murdering two babies? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I look forward to the next episode with you. Stay safe out there. It's definitely a bizarre world.